Before it became one of the most critically acclaimed superhero shows of the past few years, The Boys was a long-running comic book parody of the superhero universes of Marvel and DC, created by writer Garth Ennis and artist Derek Robertson in 2006. After a short stint with the DC-owned Wildstorm imprint, The Boys found their home at Dynamite Entertainment, where the creators felt more free to kill the sacred cows and dial up the genre to its nastiest. In this world, Superman kills people for fun, and Thor is a straight-up Nazi. Are Ennis' subversions of the superhero genre too abrasive to succeed, or is there gold under the pile of corpses and various bodily fluids? Join us as we meet the worst heroes in the entire comic book industry. Welcome to Extra Issues. Welcome to Extra Issues, the comic book reading club podcast where we choose a theme and read through a selection of comics that explore that theme. Our current theme is superhero subversions, and this month we are discussing the boys. I'm Zach, uh, your comic book journeyman, and when people ask me, why are all of your pets so fat, I start screaming that it's because I'm terrified they'll be used for anal play. Uh, I'm joined by Charlotte, who is... Uh perfect amalgam of amalgamation god amalgam really reading those dc marvel amalgam comics really threw it off for me (laughs) and dave's mispronunciation a perfect amalgamation of two of these characters frenchie and the female uh and if only she would start working at a butcher shop she could be all three i mean billy's dad was a was a baker so that's french too that's uh, oh yeah Uh, I just want to say my second take for this was trying to come up with some kind of Homelander joke for you, but that you would have, like, baguettes on your shoulders instead of uh, (laughs) eagles. (laughs) Homelander. And uh, we are joined by a very special guest, the legend herself, Kelly Kaneyama. Kelly, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you so much uh, for having me and for inviting me. It is great to be here. Yeah, it's it's very exciting. Um... I f- we found Kelly through uh, Tiffany Babb, who has been very helpful in helping us find guests for the show, uh, because we were looking for someone who's in to Garth Ennis and the boys in general, but or the boys specifically, but Garth Ennis in general. And you have kind of a, a significant background with Garth Ennis comics. Do you want to talk about that a little bit, Kelly? Yeah. So I'm a comic scholar and critic, and um, you can find my stuff, which a lot of it is about Garth Ennis, at, on Twitter, at Kelly Kaneyama. Or at Shelf Dust, um, shelfdust.com, on Patreon, which is patreon.com slash until the end of the world. Ooh, a little preacher reference there. Yes, it is. And I've also got a couple of essays in um, academic anthologies. So there's one about um, Tulip from Preacher in Working Class Comic Book Heroes. And then there's another one about Garth Ennis' Punisher Max in Judge, Jury, and Executioner. Essays on the Punisher on in print and on screen so check those out um yeah i've i just really like garth ennis and the boys in particular formed a big chunk of my phd thesis which was a lot of fun to write about even if it meant i had to sort of write around certain things because you know i would ask my husband just in the middle of the night i'd, I'd walk into his office and say hey what's an academic way of saying skull fuck <laughs> 
<laughs> yep. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and then Fatsa right copulates with the cranium. <laughs> uh, that's a good that's point. a good Ben name. <laughs> copulator, <laughs> cranium copulator. Um, just yep. a little FYI for our listeners: we cannot talk about the boys without uh, being ex- very explicit. <laughs> so uh, we generally try to avoid swearing too much. It's not going to happen on this episode. So. Uh, if you have children, I don't know why you'd have your children in the room to listen to Garth Ennis, the boys podcasts, but uh, please make them leave the room. They need to know um, about the military industrial complex. That's why. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that's yeah. That's very okay. true. Yeah. The um, you're right. Your writing on Garth Ennis is super interesting. I really liked. Thank I you. found one of the first things I found was um, your intro to Garth Ennis for a guide to Garth yeah. Ennis's comics introduction in uh. Seek, seek art is that how you say that sequential art i've always uh, said sequart but but yeah sequart, I mean, it's you, you'd really think it would awkward, be sequart right? because sequ- sequential right yeah yeah Squart. Um, but really interesting <laughs> really interesting like defense of the man from a uh, a critical um viewpoint so encourage everyone to definitely go check out your your writing and very excited to have you here because one of the things <laughs> one of the things we wanted was the boys doesn't have a great reputation I, I don't think, not like some of other of Garth Ennis' stuff, people really like Punisher, people really like Preacher, myself included. I, I love Preacher. <laughs> um, Boys is a series that I've tried to read a couple times and only made it 10, 12 issues in, maybe uh, a few times in the past decade. And uh, and until the recent Amazon show, um, I think kind of was, I, I don't know. Like, my understanding is its reputation was not that hot. Although it did go for 72 issues and had a bunch of spinoffs. So, like, clearly people were buying it and reading it. Um, but I just never heard that many people talk about it in their uh, their favorite superhero comics. What, what do you think, like, what's your perception? You're m- much more, you know, in this world than I am, Kelly. What do, what do you think the perception of this comic is? Yeah, I think the perception of it is it's just sort of, you know, real, like, it's Ennis kind of indulging his worst tendencies, Mm-hmm. That's, um, that's yeah. what I've said for a decade. <laughs> yeah, like, you know all those things in preacher I mean, it's that not, are like not that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sure. Like all the things in preacher, we were like, oh yeah, he's really he's pushing boundaries here. Yeah. And then in the boys, it feels like oh, no one told him stop. Like there was nothing to stop him. Yeah, from doing but I mean, like everything. if you read the, I think he said in preacher there wasn't really any. He, I think there's one thing that they said, hey, you got to change this. And then everything else was just kind of, they said, yeah, you know, go, go for it. I think it yeah, was um, Jesse is peeing on a burning cross. Oh, <laughs> that's so something. funny. Considering well, like, you know, he was the put, direction like, that series goes. But no, but the, the cross had to be burning, I think, because uh, it was supposed uh, uh, to show yeah. like, um, oh, he's putting it out with his pee. Sure, but, right, yeah. But then because if you put KKK it out, it just was like, yeah. yeah. But if you put it out, it just looks like he's peeing on a, cru- on a cross. Yeah, and they didn't okay. want people to get mad. So then it's like, okay, well, it has to be burning, like mm-hmm. visibly burning. And maybe, you know, maybe it's not like putting it out so that people don't get upset. That's incredibly funny considering like how that series progresses. But that, yeah. that was a line that he couldn't cross yeah. based on, you know, the actual plot of where that series goes. But we won't, we won't talk. <laughs> we'll probably, I'm sure we'll compare stuff to Preacher, but I don't want to like spoil Preacher for people who haven't read it yet. Reverend um, Swear, which is a... In in the boys, there's that scene where they go. There's a scene where they go into this comics, the the comic shop where the legend is just like chilling mm-hmm. in the basement, yeah. and there's a bunch of kind of pimply teenage boys talking about which is the coolest comic. And there's um, I think Busy Dick is supposed to be trans. Is that might be why the Last Man? 
And then um, they're talking about like, oh, we're like no, that sucks. The, the best one is Reverend Swear. And, <laughs> yeah. Busy Dick. That's really funny. <laughs> yeah. I can't remember what all of them were, but that, that's definitely in there. And then Nonsmancer, which is just him making fun of Neil Gaiman. And I don't mm-hmm. think he's trying to make an accusation about Neil Gaiman. It's just mm. he... I think he really doesn't like Sandman. That's so funny. Okay, so that that actually him not liking Sandman that that's a good segue into I, I think like the first the first thing I want to talk about is like what is the core like what is his relationship with superheroes and for people who don't know I'm sure you kind of kind of know the <laughs> the background of this the boys is you know a world in which superheroes are this totally amoral evil corrupted force right and he's making fun of superheroes there's maybe like one or two good superheroes in this world but 99 percent of them are you know totally evil um so what's his relationship what is his like thesis statement about superheroes in here oh. uh kelly what yeah do you want do you want to take this one okay first? so i'm going to act first quote a try to quote from memory a tweet by um matt amelon who i think is m amelon a-m-y-l-o-n on twitter and it's about the boys but it says you know garth and is getting an idea for a comic it's what if the Teen Titans all sucked each other off and gave each other herpes? That'd be so fucking funny, dude. And then Garth Ennis sitting down to write the comic. Those poor kids. They didn't deserve those herpes. <laughs> Sobbing now. They're just kids. <laughs> so I would say maybe that's his relationship with superheroes. Um, no, he hates them. He's never had time for them. And, you know, this goes all the way back to if you read um, his run on Demon. The demon that he did with uh, John McRae when he was, he Ennis was like 23. So mm-hmm. let's all just sit and think about that for a second. That, you know, he wrote that when he was 23. Preacher debuted when he was 25. That's crazy. Yeah. Let's all, so now, you know, I invite you to take just, just one second to think about what you were doing at 23 and 25, respectively. And then <laughs> once you've picked yourself back up out of that hole. Um, Char- Charlotte can still get there. She's she's young. Yeah, I have to look into the she's, future. She's, oh! Yeah, she's gonna she's gonna write her own preacher in yeah. about three years. You know? Yeah, I'm I'm writing preacher in two months from now. There you go. Wait. <laughs> but better, you're gonna write better. Is it? You can call it better preacher. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, but there's this bit at the end of, of that where um Etrigan he has this whole like sign off and he compares to he i think he, he describes superheroes as it's something like an aryan dream and you know this is quite early on in ennis's career this is i think the first thing he wrote for mainstream american comics because before that he wrote hellblazer but that was <clears throat> you know dc's mature readers line which in 1993 becomes vertigo 93 mm-hmm. 93 i think yes something like that yeah yeah and whereas D- demon was main dc mainstream you know and not for mature readers quote unquote it was just for the general audience. And already he's, you know, he's coming right on saying it. And by putting it in Etrigan's mouth, you know, he's able to get away with it a little bit more. Mm-hmm. But yeah. yeah, you read, I mean, Hitman is every time uh, the main character, Tommy Monaghan, runs across the superheroes of God. Yeah, the superheroes of the DC universe. It all, you know, it doesn't really go well for them except for Superman. So he actually, Ennis loves Superman. I was actually able to email him about this. And I said, because Green Lantern gets a really raw deal in that comic, if you've you've read it. I highly recommend Mm -hmm. it if you haven't. And this is Kyle Rayner, Green Lantern, by the way. And 
So I asked him what was his beef with Green Lantern. And he said, so at the time, the kind of dictum about writing Green Lantern in a comic was, was that he should be, I quote, a cool guy that everyone should like. And he didn't like that. So yeah, Green Lantern just had a terrible, terrible time of it. But, you know, for him, Superman represents this kind of, you know, the myth of America, like the good mm-hmm. parts. Sure. And he's this, yeah. he, this, this mythic character. And that's always how Ennis approaches him. As much as he hates superheroes, one of the best to me by anybody is by Ennis in the Hitman JLA crossover because it's Superman fly just flying up above Earth and looking down, and it concludes with this beautiful line of, "If you knew how you were loved, none of you would raise a hand in in anger again." And you know that from the guy who wrote the boys. Yeah, that's yeah. so interesting. Yeah, it's quite the yeah. statement. But the reason he doesn't like superheroes is. I think it's twofold because he said he said in interviews and stuff where his um, comics reading journey is it began with British comics, right? Like British war comics, especially and with 2000 BD. Yeah. And he didn't kind of discover American comics till he was a teenager and or American superhero comics till he was a teenager. And that was the Dark Knight Returns, I believe. And then and Watchmen. And then so he thought, oh, wow, these are actually good. And then he went and read more mainstream stuff. And he thought, well, this is disappointing. And it, but I think his take is that <clears throat> when they're not done well, they're basically kind of the Aryan dream. This, 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 this he sees them as this <clears throat> American fascist power fantasy. It's it's so interesting because like like Alan Moore has a similar critique of yeah. superheroes, right? He, he thinks it's kind of an infantilizing, fa- it leaning into like fascist fascistic fascistic tendencies yeah. <laughs> uh, and like desires of you know like these capitalist countries but then he views you know like like he's coming back from like a leftist point of view mm-hmm. like alan moore garth ennis also still loves powerful men doing individual acts of glory right like there, there's this oh, real yeah. contradiction i read like this <laughs> stuff like him critiquing of the military industrial complexes through the boys, right? But the same yeah. time, he loves the military. He loves war. He, I mean, I don't know. Yeah, wars, he loves war. Like, he loves the troops, is what right. it is. Like, he, he doesn't loves love the military. He loves the troops. Right. The wars I, are bad, but their troops, their troops are very good. Our, our heroes, right. Yeah, exactly. It, it's interesting also, like, thinking about, I mean, Ennis, one of the, yeah, so the, talking about the, the superhero angle of this and, like, the critique of superheroes. Um, like Charlotte, I guess Charlotte, I, I can pitch the question to you too. Like, what did you read as the like critique here of superheroes? What what was like your take on this reading through this? I mean, both with superheroes and like his, because like it's it's about superheroes, but like in the discussions that the main characters have, it's also about like they have a lot of discussions about homophobia, sexism, stuff like that. It often feels like he's just making fun of everyone and every possible take on the subject. And, like, there's no... I don't think he is trying to put forward, a, like, a better alternative, either to superheroes or to, to those issues. Because, uh, like, Butcher sometimes feels like he's the voice of what Ennis is trying to say, but, like, Butcher's not the good guy. Like, he's not the he's not the voice of reason, so that's, like, that's undercut. Yeah, that's, he's a that's... terrible person. Yeah, he's, he's the worst. He's the worst, but, like, I wonder if... I would still think that if there wasn't the the final arc, 
like mm. the final arc pushes him to to the edge to the point like there's no going back from it and so you you just like erase every time you were in any way in any kind of agreement with him like if there wasn't that if he was still this more complicated figure to the end or like more not that bad figure to the Mm -hmm. end i feel like you could argue that like is it is ennis actually saying those things through yeah through through butcher i don't think it's that clear cut yeah by the end arc i'm i am wondering like what is what what's the the point behind butchers i don't even know if it's a heel turn because it does feel like somewhat in character but like him really going you know kind of off the deep end at the end like uh and killing you know his allies all the way up to that point um like what what is the the messaging (laughs) behind that (laughs) um so for me i would say like in ennis comics there's always you know the men who choose the way of the gun i would Mm -hmm. say there's always a choice or like there's they always have this kind of turning point though that you can that they can kind of keep going on that path and it means that you will lose all human connection eventually or you can turn away from it mm-hmm. and have friends and stuff yeah and and yeah and i think that's what happens to butcher just the, that obsession he, uh, of the violence yeah. like you know he he can't break away from it yeah sure i, I mean yeah. I, but w- I can see that with the end where like so so butcher decides to just when he's achieved his revenge against uh against homelander slash slash black noir uh, he's like he decides. Okay, that's it. I've done my revenge. Now I do what I'm here for, which is kill every every superhero, everyone with powers, everyone with uh, with compound V in them, which is the thing that uh, gives heroes powers in uh, in this universe. And like I wondered if there was some degree of Ennis, I guess partially reconciling with, with superheroes in like are they saying maybe everything isn't to throw away. Because, like, by the end, the quote-unquote hero, which is Huey, has to, like, stop uh, Butcher from going too far and from killing everyone. And if, like, if there is a connection between Ennis as the writer and, and Butcher as the character in their view of, uh, of superheroes, like, I wonder if, by the end, Ennis is saying, in a way, like, maybe there is something, like, maybe there is some hope for some superheroes. Um, but, yeah, I don't but know. But it's also, it's, that's really con- fused to me in the mixture of how superheroes are tied like hand in hand with like political corruption and the military and all this because then it also is like we're not gonna we can't go too far and just wipe them out but we can still like we'll still have to be a watchdog over them to make sure they like toe the line which is kind of the status quo of the comic for most of it is that like they're in this uneasy truce of like keeping them in check and then Huey kind of maintains that at the end like he you know he's sitting on the park bench watching them fly over and he's just like you lucky bastards you don't know how close you were you know uh but then they but- try to make new ones and they can't or like at the end the the guy from Vought has a breakdown because mm-hmm. he realizes we're done we can't we can't do this and um <clears throat> i think one thing that gets overlooked a lot um when talking about the boys is how it fits into comics is because you know there is the political the sociopolitical aspect of it of course that's kind of the core but it's the sociopolitical aspect in the context of superhero comics and the comics that ennis himself found himself writing because you know he was part of this kind of crop of british or uk authors Mm -hmm. i don't know if 
I don't know if he considers himself British, but the UK authors sure. <clears throat> who were brought over to America and it was, you know, revamp these characters and then go do your own thing, right? So, you know, Grant Morrison gets to write Batman and then they turn they turn them loose on uh, to do their, their own thing and they come up with the Invisibles. Um, they brought, of course, Alan Moore was the first one to do this and then, you know, they turned him loose and he c- comes up with all this great stuff. And, and, and then, you know, Ennis comes over to pick up Hellblazer and then to do Demon to write Etrigan. And this is also where uh, Tommy Monahan gets introduced. And then they turn him loose with Steve Dillon to do Creature. And, you know, and Vertigo, which is, was, you know, started out of this whole influx of UK talent, especially authors, was, you know, had this promise of, oh, if we're going to do something new. We're going to make, you know, break comics away from the reliance on superheroes. And fun mm. fact, uh, a lot of the genres that get spotlighted in Vertigo Comics were genres that kind of died out because of the Comics Code Authority. Mm-hmm. Sure. You know, things like horror and romance mm-hmm. and all of this. So it's really sort of opening it back up to what comics could be. It could be everything. And, you know, with Vertigo as well, this saying, oh, it's creator-owned, right? So you own these original stars and these original characters that you come up with. And... You know, you can do whatever you want. Now comics can be whatever you want. And then, you know, you can sort of see this thing starting to turn around the time of the authority, which I realize is not Vertigo, it's Wildstorm, but there it is. And then 9-11 happens. And as with many other industries, the comics industry goes, oh my God, America, 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 America. Mm-hmm. And, you know, everything that they learned from Vertigo is <laughs> out the window. And they have to kind of toe the line. They have to, well, I don't know if they have to, but they decide to make all these comics about basically how great America is. And yeah, you can right, argue yeah. that some of them are ironic. Like um, uh-huh. some people say, oh, the ultimate is supposed to be ironic. I'm like, is it though? No. And, yeah. I mean, <laughs> no. the, the sort of nadir of this is, um, you know, the, the, the crying Dr. Doom comic yeah 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 we're, yeah we're about to i don't know dave has to put that on our list for my marvelous year i don't know if it's, it's there yet truly truly wild oh it's really fun i've read it yeah yeah but he says you know like the worst of us are still human i'm like okay no you're not you might <laughs> yeah, be right. but i'm like you're in the marvel universe there are gods and aliens like they're not human okay so you're factually incorrect also dr doom's first appearance is he tries to destroy the Baxter building, which is like also like a big tall building in New York full of innocent people. Yeah, it's very That you tried to destroy. But... <laughs> and now you're sad because America. Yeah. And the other thing too, you know, Vertigo had was supposed to be like this big anti-authoritarian bent. And the turn that comics takes after that just throws that out, out the window and says, no, we're going to, you know, we're going to look to the people in authority. The real heroes are the cops or something. And you know, there's a an anthology of Marvel comics um, about that were reactions to 9-11, kind of in the immediate aftermath. And guess who writes the intro? Hmm. Rudy Giuliani. <laughs> so, so, you know, That's this great. is what Ennis is looking at. Sure, yeah. Yeah. And he's reacting to that. Sorry, hold on. Sweetheart? Okay. Yeah, um, hold on. Let me see. No, it's fine. If you, if you need some time. Goes. No, yeah, it's yeah. okay. Um, like, if he doesn't make that much noise in the background i can just keep going but we'll see okay yeah it's baby honey mommy's recording 
<laughs> Baby's first podcast. Well, he... And it's the boys. <laughs> yeah, what better podcast to introduce the baby to the comic books? Yeah. Well, I used to... Um, my mom actually showed him some of my Punisher Max, which he, he enjoyed at the time. <laughs> Looking at, like, the targets of this comic, to me... Uh, I, I can certainly see that, right? Like, he, he clearly has a... There's an anti-authority um, bend to, to Ennis here, right? Like, he clearly doesn't like, you know, like, the brass, right? He doesn't like the man. He doesn't like corporations yeah. or crony capitalism yeah. or, you know... The pencil corruption pushers in the government. who don't know what it's really like out there. Right. Sorry. But, yes, it is It is all in service of, like, the... Nor it, like, it's a very populist... Um, kind of an attitude mm. i think like that's how i read it is it's very you know like individual focus on like the strong individuals and not you know bucking and bending to the system mm. um and but then at the same time like it, it's like it does feel kind of like um like, like there's definitely like a reactionary populism to this like i i it, he, he's he's a really confusing guy politically to me and it comes across in the comics which is fine like people are yeah. confusing politically um you know people have this but so it to me like that you know reverence for the military or the the soldiers and for the war and the heroes that they do like like he simultaneously i think would hate george bush for getting them mired in afghanistan but at the yeah, same time like but he also wants to, you know, like, freely make fun of, like, ragheads and, you know, like, talk about, like, you know, Muslims, how they all just want teenage girls. And that's, like, a nice way of putting how he yeah. plays it, right? Like, he's, he's got this very strange kind of, like, I don't want any kind of system <laughs> to mm. cr crush us down. But at the same time, I want to be free to personally have like i don't know if a vendetta but like you know like like he would be very against a government uh like crushing you know like a gay community with their aids response right i bet he's very yeah. critical of not the 90s american government and their response in the reagan administration towards yeah. aids but at the same time he wants to be able to like make fun of and reinforce all the like nasty stereotypes about gay yeah. people like it's a very like like he hates the man but also, like, the personal uh, responsibility for that stuff is kind of missing or at least conflicted. It, it's it's a very yeah, confusing I mean, it, it's, tap. He doesn't want queer people to die, but he wants also to be able to make fun of them for being queer. Is the kind of the joke? Yeah, there. kind of. Yeah. And, right, like, and you can replace queer with uh, with any kind of uh, of marginalized group. Like there's this whole issue where it's uh, Saint Saint Patrick's Day in uh, in New York. Oh, and I have <laughs> I have I have some stuff about that. But you go ahead. Sorry. Yeah, which has a, a preacher cameo, I think. Like yes, that the guy is Cassidy. The is... Yeah, that's Cassidy, yeah. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, like, he goes on this whole rant about how, like, Americans shouldn't be, like, so proud of being full of different commun communities and, like, that the, the the British have it right somehow. Yeah, like, first of all, my <laughs> in guy... In the conversation post-colonialism. Uh, post, uh, yeah. Which is... And I'm, like, reading, I'm like, yeah, you're just wrong, though, like... Like, you're allowed to feel like that for yourself, but I'm like, first of all, my guy, you're white. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. Right. And, like, so, yeah, that's that's the kind of moment where, like, are you using Butcher as a soapbox? Because if you are, like, you should realize how crazy that is. Because, like, <laughs> you sound insane because he's insane. 
and because what you're saying is insane. But, he, yeah, it's, Ennis, Ennis can do something really interesting, and I I see a little bit of it here, um, and I see a lot of it in Preacher, and I really appreciate this in Preacher, which is that I feel like he's a smart enough guy to understand that some of his like deep seated beliefs are wrong and messy, but he still can't like help feel the way he feels, right? And Preacher, I think, largely feels like it is not trying to rationalize that, but it is, like, grappling with feelings of, like, for, to get specific, and this isn't really spoiling stuff, like, Jesse's overprotectiveness of Tulip because she's a woman. And he just feels like he's got this, like, you know, mythological idea of what men need to be in relationship to their women. But in the comic, like, it feels like he understands that's bad and wrong and is like and is grappling with that like it's a hard thing to do yeah. that it's a hard thing to get over your prejudices and i think this comic has some of that with huey and starlight there's some of that i don't think it's handled as deftly but then a lot it of it feels oh, like God, butcher I have... and, uh, with butcher and becky yes yeah. but there's a lot like, of like by... rationalization in this comic yeah. i feel like there's a I lot have of so like many thoughts on huey and and, and annie <laughs> all right let's let's, let's keep that <laughs> aside because i i want to talk about like i guess that tonal difference between the kind of like grappling with something that feels because charlotte you wrote something in your notes about how like when huey starts to blame starlight for her own like sexual assault right and like turn it against her how that and his rules she should have dumped him right yeah sure right yes yeah yeah yeah. by the own rules he set out in previous comics like when he has (laughs) own rules he's previously set out she should have dumped him and never looked back. Anyway, sorry. Yes, yeah. She her response is a little too soft. But I, you wrote Charlotte that like this kind of alienates the audience from Huey. I, I kind of can see, and I, I almost, I, I think this almost works for me in the way that like Huey is having a like you know a gut feeling of revulsion towards this thing, right? He finds out that like Starlight. I mean, was sexually assaulted, but he's viewing it as that she, you know, like, sucked her way to the top, basically, and, like, for career advancement. And he just has this, like, thing he can't shake. He's just bothered by it. And and this is something that goes throughout his comics, is this, like, masculine fear of gay people, of trans people, uh, and just having this gut level, like, you know, being wigged out by something. I can deal with that when it feels like he is feeling like I'm conflicted about this. I can't help feeling this way. But a lot of this feels like kind of it's not quite rationalizing it. Like there's it's kind of like um, like Butcher is like, I'm free to use homophobic slurs because I actually don't have any problem with gay people. You're the one who feels like instinctively grossed out by gay people. (laughs) So you're the real problem. And I'm like, no, it's kind of the opposite. Like Huey just feels that way, but he's polite enough to realize like, I should still be polite to gay people and recognize them as humans. Even if like on a gut level, I'm like, ew, what they do is gross. It's like, well, yeah, sure. That's just, you know, that's the way you were raised and you don't have to act on that. People have, you know, wrong feelings inside, but they overcome that. To be polite and normal to other people. Butcher's the one that's actually, like, enforcing his worldview on other people. It's it's frustrating. The Butcher-Huey thing on that specific front, it reminds me of someone else problematic. Um, There's an Aziz Ansari bit, I think it's from his first special, where he said, you know, this guy comes up to him and is like, you know, do you have a moment for gay rights? He's got a petition. And then he says, like, well, you know, actually, there's somebody over there who said something homophobic to one of my gay friends. And I'm going to go over there and stab that guy. 
So let, let me ask you, do you have a moment for gay rights? Come with me. <laughs> yeah. And it did kind of remind you, you know, Butcher, that, 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 that's Butcher's line of argument, right? He's like, you know, I killed that guy who was a big uh-huh. homo- yeah. homophobe. Yeah. So really, I'm an ally. So yes, I can right, say yeah, whatever yeah, I want, yeah, and I'm like... That's his excuse for misgendering trans women, yeah, is like, I killed a transphobe. Yeah, I'm like, no, nah, just, like, be be cool, dude. Just say, <laughs> you know... Just... Also, you didn't kill him because he killed a trans person. You killed him because he's a superhero. Yeah, exactly. So, like, like, yeah, just, like, be normal. And then, well, no, with Jack from Jupiter, he kills him because Jack killed his dog. Because of what happened oh, to yeah. dog. Yeah. Oh, yeah, that's true. Yeah, that's like, true. that had nothing to do with, like... Being an ally, that was he was just out of course, dog. right? He's so, an ally to animal rights. Also, yeah. trans rights. <laughs> all that stuff we're talking about, right? All that discussion of it, I at least kind of appreciate. Like, e- even if I come down on the side of, uh, I don't know about that, Garth. Like, I still appreciate that, and I can kind of get behind like him having these conversations, even mm-hmm. if I disagree with them. I don't think I think it's still interesting, <laughs> and like makes these characters more interesting. What's then frustrating is then that he just likes to like not an issue goes by where he's not inserting like homophobic slurs into somebody's mouth just for jokes. Yeah. Right. Mm. Like just for the, like the legend, just constantly using like the F slur <laughs> constantly. And it's, I, I mean, is it supposed to be that he's ignorant? Kind of, but also it's kind of like just old? a punchline. Yeah. Right. <laughs> and, and I mean, even Huey uses like anti-Asian slurs to describe like, you know, they're going to go get Chinese food. Okay. So and, I like, will say, on that front, that is yeah. actually surprisingly common. I think it's also supposed to show that he's just, like, really, like, provincial. Sure. Right, yeah, yeah. Because this did happen to me at a, um, and this, not in Scotland, but, like, this happened to me at a temp job I was at. Yeah. Um, That these two, to these two people were just talking about, like, oh, you know, what, what were they going to have for dinner? And, like, one of them goes, like, oh, I do love a, um, you know, offensive word for Chinese person, E. Uh-huh. And that yeah. was just their word for Chinese sure. food. No, and I, I mean, I have like, that Yeah, before, I'm not yeah. even, for those listening at home um, or wherever you are, I'm East and Southeast Asian. I'm not Chinese, but still. And I, you know, I just went, what? And then they went, yeah. oh, sorry, sorry. But it just kind of, you know, it didn't occur to them that that was offensive. Sure. They weren't using it in a kind of deliberately derogatory way. So well, I but will that's say, also how yeah, that was wild messed used... up. But <laughs> I was like, that was. Is saying like, homophobic slurs yeah it's he's like i don't mean anything by it it's fine but it's you know yeah like or you could just not but i mean yeah like for huey it's at least i'm not gonna defend it but it is sort of like oh okay he is you know and maybe for all i know maybe it's to kind of signal like oh he is he going to go the same way as butcher because he has this kind of you know these words in his arsenal there's definitely like that conversation bothers me a lot less than kind of just the ubiquity of slurs in mm-hmm. the comic that is outside of any yeah. kind of like character discussion. It's just That's like fair. it is a constant onslaught, and it's. it's I mean, the, 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 maybe we can transition this into just the conversation about like the comedy and the edginess, because mm. I feel like as the same as those, it feels so much less like tactically deployed than in Preacher, which is a comic mm-hmm. that also has slurs and it has really edgy jokes and it has hyper violence and anal gerbils like literally it also has anal gerbils in it (laughs) um and but it feels like he's much more like in control of like the audience uh like deploying them in a way that feels 
a little more shocking or hits the punchline because it's a little more like mm-hmm. I, I don't know de- de- yeah deployed tactfully i think uh or tactically rather here it's such a like a non-stop onslaught that i feel like it loses its potency mm. really really quickly and just becomes totally overwhelming to me like jokes still sometimes landed for me but also he just is pushing like he just has his finger on the button he's just holding it down the entire time uh and and, and i think it really lets the comic down for me which is also why i love the final arc because the final arc is ennis focusing on his characters and letting go out of uh, at least giving less time for jokes there are still a few in there that are like that are abrasive but like he uses them more sparsely and like he focuses on his characters which is like where he's at his best because like there are a lot of very good moments where there aren't any jokes and just character moments that entirely work um but yeah it's like he can help but distract the comic with jokes sometimes with the same jokes for the freaking hundredth time <laughs> mm. some jokes like the guy who's sexually attracted to to handicapped women yeah. the, i mean there are a lot of jokes that come and that don't have anything to do with either either superheroes or comics like that's just ennis being ennis i feel yeah or, like, or at least i'm like, not seeing something there but uh, yeah i mean that that's fine like it, it it's honestly it's it's not even <laughs> like i mean this is this is a very objective thing because i'm not like I'm not even saying I'm offended by the the guy who gets horny for like disabled women or the blood come under the door, but it feels like lazy in the way that he's just like, well, here's the joke, and then I'm gonna deploy it five to eight times over the course yeah. of the series without changing it. It's not like here's the joke and then I'm gonna vary it or I'm gonna escalate it. It's just like how many times do we just see the bloody cum sliding under the door, and that's I mean the bit. I do sort of wonder. And this is not to say that, oh, yeah, this makes it all fine, you know? No, no, but please. I, 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 sort of I want to hear what your he difference. Was maybe going for is to kind of steep it in this real, like, violent, toxic masculinity that it's just, if you are in this world at all, you cannot get away from it. You just absolutely cannot get away from it. So even this little guy who just, like, basically hangs out in a comic shop basement all the time, you know, he's dropping the F, like, F there's left and right and... It's just, it's just, the, and you know, even Huey, when he's at home, he's he's just in his apartment and there's blood come under the door. It's just kind of, <laughs> yeah. it's everywhere, you know, and you can't. Yeah. yeah. And the only way to win, I mean, like, if you're involved at all, you're, you're sort of become part of the machine, which I think is also what the boys is saying in, you know, in the context of something like um, American comics, that if you're involved, you become part of the machine. And maybe the only way to win is to not play at all or to just but recuse yourself the from the game that, there's also the idea that if you protest against that like you're still kind of a, a hypocrite like in the way he he what he does with huey and stuff like that like if you're not taking violent action like you're a hypocrite or you're not doing enough which kind of undercuts it but yeah i definitely was yeah saying. i i think the tone undercuts that like i i get what you're you're saying and i i actually like i i would appreciate that more I, I feel like there there is a there's definitely some truth to that and I feel like Ennis is having that in mind, right? Like I think he's aware that Butcher is kind of a toxic guy, right? Because yeah. he has Huey say that. Like Huey says it out loud. Also his name he, is Butcher. Right, well of course, but <laughs> but like he I, I think there's a sneering judgmental tone towards a lot of stuff in this comic 
that I think kind of undercuts the, like, that it's just a critique of, like, toxic masculinity. Because, like, and, and this can kind of segue into the next thing. I think you'll definitely have thoughts on this, Kelly. Ennis's relationship with sex, I think, is really interesting and, like, terrified. Like, he reads to me as someone who is very scared of sex in all forms except for missionary position <laughs> with a woman in the dark <laughs> like, like, <laughs> and very angry <laughs> like but so because to him it people feels hating like each other sex work homosexuality anything outside of like the most boring heterosexual sex anything kinky is like shameful and perverted and deviant right like because he lumps it all together he lumps like the fact that the superheroes abuse like, sex workers, which is objectively bad, right? Like, that they are putting these sex workers' lives in danger and abusing them. Do you need just a second? Yeah, just give me one second. Yeah, um, please. Let me see if he might he might be hungry. But do you want to see? You wanna, let's go see. You guys want to see baby? Hi, there baby! Oh, <laughs> Come on, baby. He's <laughs> so cute. How old? You. Six months. Oh my gosh, so cute. Thank you. Oh. Now I'm going to talk about uh, abusing sex workers in front of your six-month-old baby. <laughs> yeah, that's why uh, mommy has headphones. Okay, okay. So For earphones. The, the, um, like, like, he has that, which is objectively bad, but that's stacked side by side with... They're also bad because it's a bunch of boys who pee on each other for sex reasons, and men who, like, watch porn together and masturbate, like, mutually masturbate, right? That is, like... In the same breath, like there's the scene where Butcher is uh, revealing the secret world of superheroes to Huey, and he's pointing out them, and he's just going poof, dyke, kitty fucker, poof, poof, and it's just like pedophile, like he's just you know lumping pedophile and being gay. In the yeah, same one thing. of these I don't... things is not like the other. <laughs> and I don't think it's questioned too much by the comic, in a way that like Preacher, there's an orgy scene, in Preacher, where they go to the what Marquis de Sade, or that's not actually Jesus de Sade. Jesus de Sade, um, place in the orgy is viewed with this kind of like smirk, right? Like, which I think is fine. Like, it's kind of this like bemused, like, oh, it's funny that people are like putting gerbils up their butt, like, but also, like, he's not. I mean, gerbil up your butt is this extreme case, but like, he's mostly just kind of like amused by all the kink and stuff going on, and it's not until he finds like the pedophilia stuff going on that he gets really judgmental here it feels like just literally anything sexual that is not <laughs> you know i i don't know a very conservative viewpoint it's very puritanical weirdly um i don't know what do you what do you think about that kelly what's your oh yeah like view of this? The, the scariest thing to ennis just based on his comics is mm -hmm. a man having something in his butt mm -hmm. yeah yeah that's like you know what if a man had something but in his butt. It's like, no! I mean, like, you know, even in Preacher, where hair, where hair star, that whole thing, like, he, it's like somehow he makes the idea of getting a man, getting pegged by a lady. Mm -hmm. Like, oh, that's gay. I'm like, yeah, fellas, is it gay? Is it gay to have sex with a woman? The, you know what there, I mean? There's a great joke with that in Preacher, though, that still makes me laugh, which is when uh, Air Star accidentally you know, it has sex with a, a man, like, uh, that, that his, like, his co-workers buy him a male prostitute, basically, accidentally. Yeah, yeah. And then he comes back and he's furious, and he was just like, do you know what happened to me? You've turned me into a homosexual. And, like, his, his subordinates just like, I, I don't think that's how it works. <laughs> Which is uh, a really good joke. Uh, 
It, but, you know, in that case, that, I feel like that's Airstar being, you know, like, pent up. Right, like, yeah. that's him, and that's yeah. on him. That's That doesn't feel as much of the omniscient view of the comic. But, the, does it, but you, ever, does but you also joke. notice, I was going to say, like, how the good guys never do kinky stuff. It's always, like, the bad guys and yeah. the weirdos. The closest thing we get is Mother's Milk does, like, hire a sex worker to, to like, nurse from, and that is not yeah. viewed as... Like, he doesn't have a, a, like, negative view of that scene, right? Like, no, that but it's, is, like, it is presented as, like, oh, this guy's kind of weird. Not, it's not, like, I don't know. bad I didn't, I didn't in the same way, but... I, I mean, didn't yeah, quite get that. That felt like the only time where we didn't get, like, a judgmental viewpoint of that. Mm. Uh, uh, I feel like it was still him having fun with the fact that he has to drink uh, breast milk. Hmm. Um, but yeah, I think so. With the like the joke you were talking about from Pitcher, there's a version of it that also worked for me in in Herogasm specifically, where I think Homelander <laughs> and Soldier Boy just had sex, and Soldier Boy it's, because Soldier Boy wants to like join the the seven, yeah. And Soldier Boy says like, do do you think this is this is gay? And Homelander's like, what what a dumb question. Of course it's not gay. It's it's us. We're I'm Homelander. It's not gay. <laughs> it's <laughs> yeah. like yeah, that's very funny. Okay, yeah, that because. I, this is why I actually love Because it's rooted Hirogasm. in character. Yeah. I love Herogasm because it's all coming out. <laughs> um, yep, yep, literally. Truly yeah. one of the ugliest comics I've ever seen in my life, <laughs> yeah. though. I don't know who the guest artist was in there, and John I'm McRae. so sorry. But I was like, but, no, but, but this, that, that, that's how John McRae rolls. I think cause he wanted to make it ugly because it's not supposed to be sexy. Oh, no, right. Yeah, yeah of course. I mean, is, you know, these are it's the only arc with penises, and boy, do some of the, like... The, the anatomy on like some of those there's the one guy there's a shot of him staying there this huge hulking guy and his penis starts like about six to eight inches too high on his torso and it's really unsettling like <laughs> it's very strange what? but yes but I, the part I, I remember was that. oh come on my hump <laughs> yes, oh, yeah. and somebody asked um like is Anderson McCray were in this um like interview or panel or something and then um <clears throat> somebody asked him about that and then they they said, well, you know, when we were you know younger, there was this She-Hulk artist slash writer. Let's call him Ron Nern. <laughs> it was like he clearly just wanted to like fuck She-Hulk. So uh -huh. why don't you just write that? And then so that informed their portrayal of uh, what's her name, Shahimoth. Yeah, uh, Shahimoth. Really so it's like joke. this is what he would have done if they basically if they'd let him. Yeah, um, but he, I mean, I mean, this hypothetical Ron Nern artist um yeah. but yeah like i think i i'm like mad i gotta i have to i i am a john mccray defender he's i do love his art he's a cool guy but um i also want to say i think it is he, i thought he was a good choice for that in that he has this kind of knack for getting really cartoony when he wants mm -hmm. to yeah. and i think that really you know i almost feel like the last thing you want with superhero sex is for it to look kind of too gritty and realistic sure. because you know this is them glamorous. having their yeah. sorry or too glamorous well, yeah the, the, this yeah. is them having their own fun yeah and so this is almost like how these the, it brings together the contrast of how they see themselves and how we the reader see mm -hmm. them and you know they're they're the sort of embodiment of you know absolute power corrupts absolutely yeah and so it and so it Bye, can baby. never be you know, it's always going to be ugly because there's always going to be, especially when they're working with, um, you know, when they're hiring like human sex workers mm -hmm. or non-superheroic sex workers, there's always going to be 
that power imbalance so it can never be beautiful it's always going to be ugly yeah yeah and i i like i mean i think that is like clearly such a a, like a clear good example of them abusing their power right but Mm. like homelander and soldier boy having sex is not right but he does kind of lump them in the, the same breath yeah but right? i mean like, it is a bit because soldier boy wants to get into the seven and you sure i oh i it's guess almost like, I guess oh yeah like, like general like hero gasm yeah. as a place where they all go like have a swinger island is like yeah, yeah i don't care. under like, the pretense of sorry oh of getting off. into the the seven you mean no 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 they so the re they all get to go off there because their official line is, oh, there's an intergalactic threat that's attacking right, this the is Earth. What's we gotta go. Crisis on Infinite Earths is actually just, like, the excuse for <laughs> them to, to go off and do this. Yeah. It is it is fun. Okay, so I do, I don't want to, because overall the comedy, like, it just, like I said, I think it just had a ratio issue where there was mm. just too much all the time for it to land. But a lot of it did land for me. And I just want to point out a couple jokes that <laughs> I did really like. Um... I really liked Super Duper. And Super Duper, it's funny because I feel like if you only read this from Garth Ennis, you'd be like, well, the man doesn't have, like, an off switch. Like, he can't write, like, real genuine characters or pathos. But, like, Super Duper shows that he can be cute if he wants to. Those characters are cute with each other. And, like, yeah. and I genuinely, like, I think he totally set, does what he sets out to do, which is make them, like, kind of lovable doofuses. And, and it's like, this comic has nothing lovable about it, uh, or very little. It's a very ugly, nasty world. But when he wants to, he can do super duper. And, like, Bobby Bedoying is adorable. The way that Bobby Bedoying <laughs> bounces around the room going, Bedoying, Bedoying, Bedoying. And yeah. it's not even, I like, he does, and it's not making fun of him. Like, he makes fun of him later when they're trying to find his penis and uh, uh, his rolls of fat. But even then, it's still kind of like, look at these, like, cute little dorks and how they're, like, all love each other. And he even gets in the kind of, like, this super duper is the example of his, like, vulgarity and in control. Because what's the, it's like, cunt fucker or something is the, the one has, like, kind of a Tourette's thing and he keeps yelling that out and then going like, oh, sorry sorry and everybody's like it's fine please like don't you don't have to apologize to us and the way that he keeps blurting out like this you know like really aggressive swear i think is really funny like that kept cracking me up yeah uh i want so there's a there's a there's an actual uh horrible superhero that comes to to lead super duper i can remember what his name is um but i wonder if there was something that he always has the same smirk on his face than Butcher does, and no other character in the comic, as far as I remember, has the same smirk. And I wonder if there was something to like. It's like Butcher is the one, or like this incarnation of, uh, of a character that looks like Butcher is the one that inserts all of the horrible things in the world in in the inside their world. And I wonder if there was like something conscious to the fact that like he's questioning whether I don't know. If if butcher is the problem, if like that vision of the world is uh, is the problem, and like there's a shot at uh, maybe I'm just trying to <laughs> to see if there's any angle in this uh, that leaves some uh, some joy in the world. No, I think. But yeah, that's, the, like I think I mean I wouldn't you know it's hard to say without seeing kind of how much direction Ennis gives in the script to the artist. But yeah, I think that's a good point to bring up that because this is when Huey really starts you know when you really start to see like what Butcher's attitude is towards yeah. Huey and the rest of the team. Because he said, oh, you think, you know, if we pull him out, they're like, he's going to die. And, he, and Butcher's like, nah, but the, let's leave him in there. 
and see how mm-hmm. he does. Because what you know, what if he's a plant? What if he's this? What if he's that? And they're like, yeah, he's yeah, gonna yeah. die, dude. Yeah. yeah. So I think that's yeah, a and really he waits till, good point till the end. Yeah, that's a, that. It's yeah. a good arc. I I like the super duper that that whole era of Huey going in uh, is mm. very good. It, the other joke yeah. that really got to me is Queen Maeve's uh, has these like kind oh, yeah. of pathetic <laughs> manservants, which didn't like make me laugh throughout. But the the death of this guy who who really just wants to be like abused and used by Queen Maeve, and that's his like point. At the very end, when Queen Maeve goes up against Homelander and. He, Queen Maeve hucks the man at Homelander, and he just smashes across Homelander's chest and, like, pancakes. But the man says, like, something like, use me as your holy weapon, queen, and, like, <laughs> as he's flying towards her. <laughs> that joke really made me laugh. And and it felt and... like like Ennis would have ruined it by being vulgar in that moment, but he, like, got into the character's, you know, like, voice there and that, that's something that like frustrates me about this comic is that way too many characters share the same voice of using the non-stop like hyper vulgarity and mm. and like that's why i think it's like it's better used a little more sparsely because then it does start to feel like 70 percent of the characters are kind of the same character <laughs> because they all have the same worldview and it's the same yeah. i get you kind of want like a tone over the whole comic but um like Again, to compare it to Preacher, it feels like in Preacher he kind of understands where to like, where to put those characters, where to like modulate that tone. Not everybody mm. is constantly using this like really escalated language. Well, I think part of it is that in Preacher you've got a, a very small core cast, right? Yeah. And then you mm-hmm. have this like larger ensemble, whereas in The Boys you have this, it's a much larger core cast. You know, you have the boys and then you have the seven and then you have all these other folks as well yeah whereas in preacher you have three people and then you know the people who kind of orbit around them it's really like those three air star and our space <laughs> right? yeah. like and then our space really you can just like... kind of write whatever yeah but okay our space also is a good example of him again being able to kind of modulate that tone between mm. like gritty nasty like mocking tone and genuine pathos like the origin of our space is really i think really affecting uh and then he's also used as a joke but he's also a real guy who has some weight behind him i i think there's something in the boys i feel like it, it's even he longer gets a happy ending. Yeah, oh yeah right like our space our space does doesn't always work for me but he works most of the time yeah um the boys though i feel like he he has there's kind of a character problem besides i think huey and butcher I don't really know who Frenchie or the female are as, like, characters. Like, besides in their relationship with each other, like, they're really defined by their relationship with each other. And especially Frenchie just, you know, I guess interjecting in French things. But, like, they're violent. They have kind of this, like, very affectionate relationship towards each other. And Frenchie is a very protective relationship with the female. But that's, it's not that much <laughs> for, like, a comic series that runs this long. Like, I feel like I got more characterization from Homelander in, like, the four episodes of the show. And I didn't say this at the beginning. We'll talk about the show after we're done talking about the comic. Than I did throughout this comic. Like, like Homelander remains somewhat of a mystery to me. Queen Maeve remains pretty, like, like it, it's very, it feels slight in its character for being as long as it is. So I yeah. I think one of the things that I actually quite like about the comic is that we don't get a lot of backstory about the set. It's like, because, you know, when you give backstory, 
you know, you can either say, oh, I see how they turned out this way or, mm-hmm. you know, usually it usually it's that. Even if you don't yeah. feel bad for them, you say, oh, I see how they turned out this way. But in the boys, it's kind of like, no, you know what? You don't need to know that. All you need to know is that they've made some, that the, this is who they are. And you don't need to have empathy for these for them because except for mm-hmm. Queen Maeve a bit, you know, yeah. Yeah. except for Queen Maeve, it were increasingly towards the end of the story, they're monsters. And like, we don't need backstory for monsters. You don't need empathy for monsters. Um, but I do, I, I do see what you mean in terms of, you know, one of the real draws, I think, of Ennis for me is the, the character work. Mm-hmm. And, you know, when he's on, he is on. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree, and, yeah. You know, Homelander, I mean, I actually quite like Homelander being a blank slate. Um, I know we'll get into this more later, I know, but I didn't like that the show gave him a backstory. I haven't because... seen his backstory, but yeah. Okay, well, but they, they do. Just But they do, yeah, um, yeah, yeah, sure. Yeah, I don't want to tell you what it is, but okay. they give him a backstory, and I just didn't like that. I mean, the, the comic, you know, explains kind of how Homelander was created, but that's it. Yeah. And um, they, and I guess, spoiler, he's a, can I say this part from the comic I, I, oh from the comics yeah we're, we're yeah you know talking okay because i was gonna comic, say this yeah. isn't in the show i don't think um yeah yeah he's a he's a clone of stormfront mm-hmm. and that's as much backstory as you're gonna get and i think yeah that's as much backstory as we need because again absolute power corrupts absolutely and maybe he didn't have that he wasn't given that much of a choice but i think one of the things in a lot of ennis comics is that you always have a choice it's not always easy to see mm-hmm but there, you know, there's always, there's almost always a turning point, and maybe, maybe Homelander's the exception. I don't know, you know. Um, but you know, his, you you mentioned this like right at the beginning, his eagle epaulette mm-hmm. thing. Yeah, I think that's from Judge Dredd. Oh yeah, sure, yeah, yeah. Yeah, because I mean that that's how Ennis. Well, that wasn't his his first comic, but that was his first, um, you know, picking up a character that somebody oh, else yeah, created. Got, he does. He has an eagle on one shoulder. I'm looking at. It yeah, now. and that. That plus the sort of American insignia, I think that's a, a Judge Dredd. Um, sorry, I think that's a nod to Judge Dredd. Uh, Interesting, because I think most yeah. people just view it as like Superman. <laughs> I mean that too. Yeah. That I mean too. it is, but it's Superman yeah. plus Captain America plus et cetera, et cetera. It's interesting with Ennis, like in his relationship to America, because he clearly like he looks like it, it, he loves America, and you can tell like it's such quote a unquote America. Version. Yeah, right. It, it's all through the movies, right? Because even yeah. there's. There's a shocking amount of crossover and repetition between Preacher and the boys. Like, I was really surprised at how much. So, like, the, like, Empire State Building <laughs> is a big, yep. like, recurring spot for him. He likes this building a lot. Um, I'm surprised they didn't make their way out to, you know, like, um, not Death Valley, but, uh, what's it? The like, big sky <laughs> country Valley? in Monte. Monument Valley, thank you. I'm yeah. surprised they didn't somehow make their way to Monument Valley in this comic. You didn't sneak it in somehow. Um, they did go to Vietnam. Of course, right, little exactly, bit, yes. Bit, like, he, he still has a flashback. Actually, that that will lead me to something I wanted to talk about is the way he does backstory here uh-huh. feels... Yeah. Uh, I, I was kind of frustrated with this. Um, you get... The structure of this comic's very odd to me, and we talked about this a little bit, I think, off mic before we started, about, like, that it, it starts out really kind of slow and a little aimless to me until like 30 issues in where you start to feel like like it's a really long time before you start to see the overall like structure and the 
like core arc that the the comic's gonna go to go through um and, and the factions that matter also because like yeah. for the first few yeah like you said 30 issues like you meet a lot of different factions of superheroes you meet the g-men which are the x-men you mean the uh payback and tech knight which are the avengers and iron man Teen Kicks, and like yeah. yeah and at first it's like hard to know which one will matter and yeah, I think, like you said, around issue 30, you start to understand, like, the three factions are, like, the boys, the seven, and then Vought International slash the, the politicians mm-hmm. people. Um, and I actually, like, so I, I will have a question about the, the, female, the female and the French uh, and Frenchie for, for you, Kelly, afterwards. Okay. But, like, the Vought International is really interesting to me because that's where I feel like he gets the most away from, like, characters just saying three slurs a minute and like being completely unhinged <laughs> the corporate guy i can't remember his name but the corporate Stillwell. guy who's like the still well yeah yeah the guy who's the face of Vot is like a really interesting and fun character he's like yeah he always has this blank expression on his face and he's like he never breaks down he's always so stoic even in the face of homelander like threatening to kill him and everything like he manages to manipulate everyone and like he's a really really interesting incarnation of like of what Ennis is doing with corporation which is at the core of uh, of the of the heroes of the boys and yeah i feel like that's where he that's where he contains his uh, his instincts the best i guess uh, this is the 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 crew of uh, of characters where he he he's the best and like those the two the president and the vice president Dakota Bob and Vic the Veep I think like Vic the Be- Veep is just everything he says is just I want someone to suck my dicky and he's like <laughs> he's some weird zombie robot like Frankenstein monster who, like is he supposed to be just be George W Bush I think he is yeah the accent yeah. the accent yeah but he's just a moron yeah. but he's like help my dicky hair. And it's just like, yeah. but it's like it's <laughs> yeah. brought back to earth by the fact that everyone around re- reacts to him like yeah. it's like it's weird, like it's actually weird in universe, which is refreshing because most weird things aren't in the boys. So yeah, I, I really like that that crew of characters. I think that's the the part where Ennis uses his instincts and his ability to write characters to the best degree for me. Hmm. Interesting. Mm. I I I, yeah. I agree. I, I don't know. If- like I think the best to me is like the Huey Butcher relationship, but then I I agree with the the Vought. Yeah, I guess outside really well. of the main two characters. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I mean, yeah, the, I I have to the, the Stillwell thing is 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 so his take on Stillwell I feel like is really astute mm-hmm. in a way that okay. yeah. maybe some other characterizations. I mean, not that they're bad, but I like, I wouldn't use that word to describe them exactly. Um, and yeah, that I I think it is true as well that with you have all these different factions kind of running about in the first like 30 issues Zach. and it's hard to know which ones we're supposed to pay attention to until you know everything really starts to go down and then we can see okay well these are the people yeah i think you know still stillwell is i think so interesting in that he's such a corporate creature i mean you almost yeah. you know even He's so more... inhuman in a way yes! that even Homelander or, or other yeah. superheroes aren't. Like, he feels like a mas- machine. Well, well I think that's whole... the yeah. point. I think, like, a, yeah, a yeah, corporation yeah. is, you know, a... It, it's autonomous, right? It just... It's this force of evil that just runs and moves on its own and has no impulse and no fallibility except for its, you know, desire for profit, right? And the guy has no mm. life and no... I, I almost kind of... 
like didn't really like the way that he got wrapped up with his like second in command and like manipulated her at the end because it felt like a little too like personal in the way that he like manipulated mm. her like I, I i i think i liked you know the idea of him just being like this personification of the corporate machine and it's just like it's not about him it's not about his own personal desire like he's just the one in the seat driving it right now but, of but course, I also like, like him pretending to be human new. with her. Yes. Like right. he he yes, wears sure. a face and he wears fake emotions. Like that's, I think that's really, really good yeah. for, for yeah. the incarnation yeah. of, of a corporation. Yeah. 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 And then he yeah, finds, and then the corporation through him finds this person. Yeah. And like, can I just say in the world with the boys, like, of course it's a woman. Sure. Yeah. 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 yeah it's, yeah, uh, Rainer gets so, so shafted. I mean, sorry, but. <laughs> no, 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 un- no double entendre intended, but Rainer gets so shafted. I'm like, like, don't, of all the things that she's done, like, why is that the thing that brings her, why is, like, well, the, I know, that's, that's what I thought, like, the for sex talk, the thing, why not the thing of, like, you know, all the bad things she's done? Well, that's what I mean, like, that. that's where, you know, like, someone sky writing, like, Rainer is a whore. And it would be like as if like this ruins her, yeah. <laughs> right? Like, like it, yeah. At the end, that that's again kind of like this very judgmental, very like sneering uh, view of like well, anything except yeah, it, for it feels male like it should be the pleasure. last nail on Butcher's coffin, not not yeah. Rainer's. Yeah, yeah. There are other things to nail Rainer with. Yeah. Oh, okay, but I I wanted to talk about the backstory stuff in, in the pacing here, which is something that okay, so something I've been saying over the last month while reading this, like, discussing this in our, our Slack group, is that it's really surprising to me that this came out after Preacher. Because it feels to me like Ennis, like, an early work that then paved the way for him to create something, like, tighter and more consistent and more, like, well-executed in, like, most regards in Preacher. Um, like, I feel like there's so much here that felt like the runway to getting to Preacher. So the fact that it's the opposite is really surprising to me. That Preacher came first. And then, so like the pacing here, I think is really meandering for a long time. There's a point where like Huey and Butcher, Huey's like uh, threatening to quit. And it's like somewhere in the issue 60 or something, right before kind of like the final arc. And Butcher's like, are we going to have this conversation again? And I'm like, yeah, are we going to have this conversation again? Because we have had this (laughs) back and forth not like this isn't the second or the third time. This is like the fifth time we've kind of just like danced in the same space and we're having the same struggle. And it like the comic is very meandering and the pacing is very strange. And then even with that pacing, he ends up being like, all right, well, do we want backstory for characters? We're just going to do that thing where someone sits on a park bench with Huey and then they just exposition their entire backstory for the issue. And it's not that it's not interesting sometimes. But it's, I feel like it's a really lazy and, like, poorly integrated way of explaining these characters. It's just like, well, here's the one where you find out everything about Mother's Milk. And I'll just, like, he hints at this stuff a lot. There's a lot of hinting towards, like, what is this person's backstory? What is the true story of Mallory? What really happened with Mallory and Homelander? What was this event that happened in the past? And then, like, the way that it gets told is generally just kind of like, and then here's what happened. I just took two issues to just tell you everything. And those reveals aren't surprising enough or twisty enough to justify this kind of build up to what they are. I'll say with one exception, there's one 
moment that I think is pulled off really well that is this backstory thing. And that is the butcher and his ex, not his ex-wife. I don't know, call him an ex-wife after they get his late wife. His fetus, yes, his late wife. The the actual moment, which we've been already told about, that he wakes up and she's been like torn open by the fetus, the superhero fetus that she uh, was carrying. That actual moment visually works so well. It's so jarring. The the panel of Butcher waking up in this baby floating up from the side of the bed with red eyes and the umbilical cord still trailing off into the darkness. Uh, that That's one of the moments that really hit and really worked for me. See, I, I almost felt like that was too much. You think it was too? Okay. Really, I think it, it was too much. Too. I mean, I don't want to take away from, you know, the impact that it had. No, I, no, it's fine. Yeah, I, mean, I just, it, I think I. It didn't, if it didn't land for you. It's not that it didn't land. I feel like it landed with maybe too loud of a noise. Hmm. Interesting. Cause I, yeah, I mean, that, it is shocking. Like, I remember that. I know I can picture it exactly in my mind as you're saying this, which maybe yeah. means that it did work. Yeah. Um, but yeah. I, it, I actually kind of think, weirdly enough, this comic doesn't have enough, like, shock to it. <laughs> like, mm. for a comic that feels really edgy, it very rarely actually shocked me. Because or it throws had... everything all the time. Yeah. So you don't have a break to... So I think, like, the two moments that, like, really work as a shock, shock value for me, one of them is really not that shocking, but it's framed in the way that is. It's in the Highland Laddie, I think, miniseries, mm. where you see um, where you see Huey's backstory, and, like just a black and white panel of him as a kid looking over uh, like toilets and a giant tapeworm coming out of the toilets like caused by some some kind of, uh, of super superpower reaction or something like it's it looks really horrific in a way that in, that most uh, most actually horrific scenes in the boys uh, mm. don't and and then yeah like the 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 birth of the of the child and the death of of Becky is like it's horrific and i think like I kind of agree with you, Kelly, but I feel like I I like the one moment of shock of seeing the baby, but I feel like we don't need to see afterwards Butcher killing it. Like, yeah. I feel like it almost would work better if it just stopped there. And oh, I, I, I disagree. Actually, I kind of like that because I feel like I feel like the comic actually needs to like go there sometimes mm. in a way that it yeah. weirdly shies away from. Like, it it almost like wants to talk about like because the stuff that he's displaying is shocking is often just like two men having sex and i'm like okay whatever like this yeah. man's being peed on he's you know the what the g force or whatever they're just like a bunch of guys like jerking each other off and i think that's supposed to be shocking but i'm kind of well, like this i thought it was, was kind of I mean, tame like, like it wasn't that that it was i thought it was just supposed to be you know like frat guys but they have superpowers kind of thing. yeah you know? yeah a little like bit. it's I, not I, like because to show you know like to go with super duper like they, they're just kids you know yeah. they don't know any better and they're not, at this point, you know, they're not really doing anything wrong. They're just mm-hmm. kind of hanging out and having kind of dude time. And because there's that bit where one of them says, like, that they're sad that they're all going to get split up mm-hmm. and they're not yeah. going to be, and then they won't be all friends anymore. They won't get to hang out together. Well, and I will and, say, like, yeah. Ennis writes Huey to even say, like, I don't know, they're kind of dumb, but like, they seem harmless enough, right? So, like, yeah. Huey. Even, you know, there is an in-book acknowledgement, but, like, they're not totally just, you know, like, deviants. But he also is still mining, like, it's very funny that these boys... I mean, I guess it it kind of is. It is funny that they, like, pee in each other's mouths. Well, it's it's funny that it never occurred to them that you could not do that. Uh, Sure, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) It's a good good point. But, yeah, I think the way it 
fails, I guess, quote unquote, is where Huey, like the reaction of Huey is depicted as as horrified of seeing men jerking each other off and seeing a a batched in skull. Like that's the same horrified <laughs> look on his yeah. face. And same with um, with uh, Martian Manhunter. I don't know what the, his name, the boy James. is. Like sleeping with yeah. trans women. Jack like he Jupiter. reacts yeah. to that. Like, yeah. I was like, that's a yeah. different like, thing, dude. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Grown man um, with grown women. Going back to the backstory thing. Okay, I have questions about Frenchie and the female's yes. backstories. <laughs> so the, the issue of, of Frenchie's backstory is like... The incredible vision that Ennis has of France <laughs> is freaking incredible. It's so good. Okay, do we think he Sorry. hates France? Because I kind of think he hates France. <laughs> so, okay, we'll we'll go into details afterwards. But my question to you, Kelly, yes. is: Am I imagining things, things, or are Frenchie and the female Asterix and Obelix? Okay, that I think that's a really interesting point. See, I always read it as like, so these are the different kinds of comics influences that were supposed yeah. to destabilize and depose the kind of american superhero hegemony yeah but so here's the thing with the so with the the french's backstory like the the comparison to french comics yeah. is obvious but in the female's backstory like i would expect a comparison to manga yes but then her back her origin story is is Obelix falling into the magic potion and getting his powers ah. forever this way? Okay, see, and the the scientist who does Dr. that Uderzo. is called Uderzo, yeah, which yeah, is yeah. the creator, yeah, the co-creator of Asterix and Obelix. So I was like, wait, is there something intentional? Like, is there something I'm not reading? I that part I don't know because I don't see. I don't know um, Asterix and Obelix very much, unfortunately. Yeah. Um, I will say, like, I think it is important that Frenchie is the one who tells the female story, right? Because she doesn't talk. Yeah. And so I think there's a bit where he says, like, you know, where he's telling her story. And then Huey goes, how do you know? Are, is she telling you this? And he never answers the question. Yeah. And even with French's backstory, it does like Huey at the end says, was that like, was that true? And Butcher says, the only thing that matters is the end. Like the actual story doesn't matter yeah. if it's true or not. So I think yeah. there, you know, in there as well, there's a question of, you know, is French telling the story that he thinks people want to hear? Yeah. Like, what do yeah. people think, you know? And and there, I think, you see Ennis playing with the form, in a way. Or maybe not the form, exactly, but you, playing with the expectations of uh, of the medium and the genre. Yeah. But where I find the, the comparison to Asterix and Obelix interesting is that in the idea of comparing superhero violence to, like, the violence found in Asterix and Obelix, mm -hmm. like, it's it's just comedic, and it's, like... It's exaggerated mm -hmm. in a way that Frenchie and the female kind of are when they fight superheroes. Yeah, like, yeah. They're having fun with it and it's completely out of control and like yeah. exaggerated. And like that's it, because like I think out of the main crew with MM, there's, they're the one like we have the most empathy for and yeah. with every scene with just Frenchie and the female. And like I like I wondered if there was something to, to what Ennis is doing there, like offering them as the alternative or like they're human be behind all the violence and the violence is so exaggerated that there's no there's no possible fascist uh, interpretation of it, which is like ironic because Asterix has a very like maybe not nationalistic but like very French uh, French power mm. side to it. Right. See that is it no, I think yeah, that, that would that really opens it up. Um Yeah. What I can say is that uh I know Ennis has said in on panels, in interviews, things like that, that what he did want to do with the boys is 
deliberately, you know, that the skinny French guy and the the little Japanese lady, yeah, they're the muscle, and then the, the you know the huge buff black guy is the brains. Yeah, and then Butcher is also there. Um, yeah, Butcher's the butcher. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, he's the butcher. But like, yeah, I think he he did want to put that. Um, and to have these, and you know, in the wake of nine eleven, where um, you know France was the most I don't know, the most prominent country or just the one that America already knew something about that said, yeah. hey, maybe don't go invade the whole Middle East. And then America was like, no, shut up. And then, you know, there was that whole anti-French sentiment, like, oh, they're so weak, they blah, blah, blah. And then maybe that was also a reaction to, you know, French was also a reaction my, to that to make see, him my memory the muscle. And Ennis is making fun of the French for being, like, cowardly in... Uh in preacher right like he mocks the french for like their cowardice and like oh you're throwing a temper tantrum and exploding some nuclear bombs out in the ocean every time you don't get what you want like he says he puts those words like in jesse's mouth when they go to like a french bar or something so that's why i was like i don't know what he feels about the french but you're right yeah like, Frenchy's a very like sympathetic character and i don't think he's mocking yeah. the french yeah i love Frenchie and the females so much i yeah. just i mean they're, i love they're combos, i love them but, yeah and I will you say, know, like, it, it's a little bit of a bummer that the female, there is one female character on the main cast, but and she's mute. But okay, <laughs> and she's also the only East Asian character yeah. in the whole comic. I think. I think I don't know if she was originally conceived as East Asian. I think it was just sort of like when they were starting to do visuals. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um. Yeah, the artist came up with that design, yeah. and then Anis said, that, "Oh, um, I have an idea for that." Yeah. Yeah, I will say, um, as well, like. Number one, shout out to Russ Braun, who picked up the series about halfway through um, after Dark Robertson. I feel like we just yeah. didn't need to mention him. Um, mm-hmm. And yeah, I see, I've gone back and forth with the female and I still didn't know where I land. But um, because there is this weird tradition of like sort of little tiny Asian women who don't talk, but do lots of violence in American comics. Japan, East Asian women specifically. Can you give some say. examples? Because that, that um, doesn't Cassandra work immediately. Cassandra Kane and Miho from Sin City. Oh yeah, Miho for sure. Yeah. Okay. Deadly little Miho sense. doesn't talk. Wears the kimono, mm-hmm. and I'm like, this seems inconvenient. Just wear a shirt. Um, <laughs> and with the roller skates, I'm like, okay, one pick, pick, pick one thing. Um, but I also wonder if the female is a nod to you know how kind of traditional superhero teams like if you look at the x-men the original x-men for instance gene gray was marvel girl and everyone else got to be cyclops and beast and whatever and she was just girl yeah 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 of course yeah although i uh, the the female of the species uh deadlier than the male exactly and i think that's that's also you know that's a sort of undercurrent in a lot of ennis's stuff and how well he pulls it off i think we can debate that's definitely not cut and dried but you know I, I come back to that bit in preacher where tulip asked her dad you know why was he so nice to her shitty teacher who is in this case is female and he says well i don't you know i don't know exactly and it's something like i guess it has to do with ladies having less fun yeah and ennis has i feel like had this line of like women are smarter than men and more women have their stuff more together than men and again that in itself comes with its own problems 
Sure. But, yeah. I mean, he keeps he keeps repeating towards the end, like his little line. He's so proud of is like uh, a world with uh, with men and no women. Yeah. That's that. Like I, I can't remember how he phrases men it. Men without exactly. women, like, Huey. It ain't a good idea. Exactly. Just like a Hemingway. Huey keeps saying it, quote. and yeah, Butcher sure. keeps saying it, and like it's yeah. And he also he, there's also a joke at the at the wedding at the end of uh, of Dear Becky where his uh, his trans friend is like, oh, I'm both, so I'm fine, <laughs> which is like, it's it's weird because. I mean, it's played as a joke, and it's not, like it feels very much like Ennis writing a trans woman. Yeah. But like that's something that's interesting with Dear Becky is like, and the difference between him writing her in Dear Becky and him writing that trans character in Highland Lassie. Yeah, it's like there's eight years, and it feels like between those eight years, he's learned what a trans woman is. Yeah, because <laughs> <laughs> oh, he definitely like he immediately is like, oh, this is a you know transsexual, transvestite, trans person in the comic, yeah. and then never once uses you know, genders them correctly. Like, not even Yeah, once. exactly. And if they do, the it's because they're, like, like, he was being confused. He's like, she, oh, I mean, he, <laughs> like, he has to correct himself. Yeah. yeah. So it's... Huey, Whereas no. in, in Dear Becky, there's more of, like, a... Like, she talks about the fact that after Brexit, like, it's going to be harder for her to get estrogen. Yeah. Oh, God, I can't say that in English. Estrogen <laughs> and, and stuff like that. And, like, there's a moment where... where, where um, Huey and um, and Annie are like, oh, that's like that sucks. We're we're, we're real sorry, like that, and like it, it feels like there is empathy for her, yeah. and she's more than just a victim in the way the queer characters of the main The Boys mm. series are. Like they're just victims for for Huey and Billy to talk about. And I do like that, like all of Huey's friends, she's the one that made it. You know, she's the one that's yeah. at the wedding, and the other ones are they're dead or they're just Huey doesn't talk to them anymore or you know yeah. whatever, like. Bobby's the one who made it through. And even even in the visual depiction of her, like in Highland Lassie, she's like, it, you can tell both the artist and Anissa, like they find it funny that someone they see as a, a big muscular hairy man yeah. is in dress and wearing makeup. And like if in, in, uh, in Dear Becky, that's, that's very much toned down. Um, and like she feels like an actual person and not just yeah. a joke. Okay. I, I have to I have to move us towards wrapping up here. Do we have any okay. last <laughs> last thoughts? Because we still want to talk about the show a little oh, yeah. bit. Yeah. At the end. So do we have any last thoughts about the comic series? For, I, I'll do my little summary here. I, I enjoyed this. It was 72 issues. I wouldn't have... I had the choice of not reading it. I didn't commit myself to fully finishing it. And I did finish <laughs> it. I, I'll say it's... I, I definitely have a mixed experience. And it's a frustrating one to me. Because I can see... Like you can see the 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 strength of Ennis's storytelling peeking through very often here and like his character work and like having real like real critiques of real problems and comedy that works instead of it feels self-indulgent. Um, but at the same time it also feels really self-indulgent and it feels meandering and it you know like self-justifying in a lot of ways so like it, it especially coming from someone who just adores preacher and then is you know excited to read the next big series from ennis it is you know it, it's a frustrating experience for me but it, it's one that i'm glad like that this show has kind of compelled me to finally watch and or finish reading and read through yeah. the whole thing like i'm glad I, i'm glad i did it um yeah charlotte what do you want to I know something because I feel like I had the exact opposite experience. Like I, I haven't read, I haven't read Preacher. I feel like the only any stuff I've read outside of the boys is his initial Punisher series. Just the Welcome Home, um, Frank. Yeah. Welcome back, Frank. Welcome Frank, back, Frank. Yeah. Back, which Frank. I, I do too. Yeah. Which I didn't like. <laughs> yeah, I'm Charlotte sorry. didn't. Like I really it, yeah. didn't like it. Understandable. And so, 
I was heading into the boys thinking, oh, I'm gonna hate this. I'm gonna have a horrible time, and I'm gonna like by the end, I'm gonna be exhausted. And like, I got like I actually got engaged in the comics to the point that, like I said, I was frustrated that he he like I had to dig deep to find the like stuff I was lashing onto. Under a bushel, you know. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But the stuff I was lashing onto, I was really lashing onto. Like there were there are some moments that work really, really, really well for me in the comic. Um, so yeah, I mean, by the end, yeah, like you said, frustrating experience, but like, I'm way, way, way more positive on it than I ever expected it to be. And like, to, to be nuanced with the fact that like, yeah, it's a comic that's full of outward homophobia, transphobia, racism, anything you want, and like, be careful reading it, I guess. Uh, but yeah, it's like, it's, it's frustrating. There's, there's good stuff, uh, under it. Yeah. I, I think for me, it's... It just feels like he's mad at too much to pick one thing to be mad at. And I feel like yeah, when he picks one thing true. to be mad at, that's some of his best writing. Um, I mean, I will stand by his Punisher Max. I am ride or die for any Punisher Max. Are there problematic aspects? Yes. But just as, you know, an expression of its core ethos, it is tight, it is smart, it is strong. And I think that's because he was mad at you know, kind of one main thing. Yeah. Um, versus with the boys, I feel like he's mad at a lot of things. And, and it, he just yeah. kind of couldn't pick one. And so this is where you get that sort of all over the map feeling. Um, it's definitely not for everybody. You know, I there are some parts where I totally understand where people say, this is where I stop reading. I'm like, yeah, yeah, I get it. Maybe <laughs> I would have as well. I feel like you. there's like three moments each issue where you could yeah, say yeah. that's where I stopped reading. <laughs> I mean, yeah, totally. Yeah, yeah, fair enough, fair enough. Oh, God. Um, I, I didn't mention it, but early on that Tech Knight art arc where like yes. Tech Knight is I just fucking fuck everything it. and is obsessed with it, that actually kind of worked for me. Um, and the the end where he has to save the world by fucking a meteorite, <laughs> yes, that was like... extremely funny. There's And it's played straight, like it's played like an actual heroic moment and everyone's like hell yeah tech knight fuck that missed video and like that's I'll say, that's I really mean, funny like i i've been complaining a little bit that like he never lets go of the button right like his joke button is just always pressed down to its full like maximum once in a while that like maximalist style did just make me laugh through like mm. the sheer like non-stop energy of it yeah so like when um when huey kills blarney cock right at the beginning and a hamster does crawl out of his ass. Like, I laughed at that. Like, that really made me laugh. <laughs> just of like, oh my god, you just never stop, right? Like, it's always with the ass with you. Like, <laughs> and and the uh, the Love joke Jamie of that they're um, that Frenchie and the female overfeed the hamster to protect him from ever being put in someone's ass again. Is, <laughs> that's an actually like pretty clever joke, I think. Um, yes, sorry, Kelly, oh. you were no. I was just gonna oh, ask. Um, I mean, I don't know if you're. You've said this before on the podcast, or if you're comfortable saying this. If not, you can take this whole part out. But Zach, how old are you? 35. Okay, I'm 37. And I okay. wonder if this is also a difference. Because, Charlotte, you're just a couple months shy of writing Better Preacher. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> and I do wonder if this is maybe a generational thing. Because, you know, if you're in your mid to late 30s, at this point, you know, we've lived through so much media kind of throwing all this kind of gay panic and like terrible depictions of marginalized people from marginalized backgrounds at us um i'm thinking of friends in many sure, many yeah. many respects 
And I'm not saying that, you know, media that is aimed at Gen Z doesn't have that. Like, it's not perfect. But I feel like it's better than the media that was aimed at us at that age, when we were that age. And I I mean, maybe this is just me being an old person. But I also <laughs> kind of wonder if, you know, that shock, that sort of dumb shock value for dumb shock value. I don't know how it feels for you, Charlotte, but like, is it refreshing in a way? I mean, on, in some ways, I guess, um, especially in the, in, the, in the context of comics, like something that's interesting is that he enhances the, the power games of heroes, but making them like power thirsty. But on the other hand, like he makes them extra kinky and sexual, which on the other hand, like in main, like big two superhero comics, like they're sexy, but they're not sexual. Like mm. he, superheroes don't have sex in, in big two comics. Yeah. At least not, not until I guess the 2000s maybe. Um, which is like interesting that on that level he inverts it and he actually makes he makes them more he makes them sexual and nasty in a way that it, they are not like that's the inversion mm-hmm. um, and like I don't know if like that's intentional in like he he's saying it's missing that part of it is missing in the in the, in Man but yeah like I guess it's something that you I mean I can't find another example of of current uh, comic. That is like that nasty, mm. <laughs> unavailable, and that like has that nasty joke. I mean, it's not uh, yeah. that current, mind you, but yeah, like it it finished in yeah. what two thousand twelve? Fourteen, yeah. I think. Yeah, something like that. No, twelve. I think you're right. It's twelve. Yeah. yeah. Um. Yeah. I mean, the the stuff still exists that has you know this like you know nasty edge to it, and I I do agree. Like, there's something slightly, even if I'm like, I I don't think it's pulled off well a lot of the time here uh it it is nice to see something that is not like very safe and sanitized in the world of like comic books although you but at the same time (laughs) right but at the same time i mean the thing is like i think he he pulls off the not safe and it's just that's why i'm saying like i keep being surprised the boys and preacher didn't come out in the reverse order Mm. because this feels more like a product of the 90s like late 90s than preacher does to me in its attitudes towards like equal opportunity offender and like that kind of thing so, yeah, it's like, so kind of proto south park isn't it I, totally totally there, there's yeah. like um well it's just that kind of like general populist anger but it's not like I, I don't know if there's a strong ideology behind it so it kind of just has this like you wouldn't be surprised if in like 2012 people young people who are like leaning towards the tea party we're into this comic and being like, this gets it, right? Like, this mm. gets what I'm mad about, right? This is the same stuff I'm out there. We're talking about. But, like, Preacher has gay panic jokes that I think work considerably better than this. There's, there's a great moment early on where, like, Jesse and Tulip and um, Cassidy are sitting in a diner. They're sitting in a diner and uh, Jesse and, <laughs> I think, orders, like, sausage gravy and biscuits and... Cassidy's like oh gross like I can't eat that stuff that stuff you know tastes like cum and then like he just pauses on a panel of like I think Jesse and Tulip giving him a look and then Cassidy looks embarrassed and he's like or or so I would assume <laughs> right uh, <just laughs> and a, then of a, course yeah, kid like oh sorry of course what I was gonna say then of course it turns out uh, from I don't his know. backstory uh, oh I don't I don't remember Oh, it's the thing where Cassidy used to, you know, like, basically because he was a heroin addict and he had that one friend. Oh, sure. Oh, okay. Yeah, I guess so. I that Even even without the real character thing behind it, like, I think that works okay as a joke. Is the, I mean, he's just a... This is how people talk, right? Yeah. And it, yes, at its core, there is, you know, the kind of, like, 
you could say, offensive idea of like, oh, it's gross to, you know, be a man who knows what cum tastes like. But yeah. also, but is it like, also gross yeah. to say that out loud in a diner? Sure, right. And, you know, this is how people <laughs> like banter and it doesn't feel. Yeah. It, it feels 20s. true to like the characters. Um, so I think that joke works better than a lot of the stuff here. So that that's what I mean. Like, it feels less fine tuned to, uh, I don't know, to the age <laughs> almost. Although it's interesting because when I read really modern, like, have you read like Sarah? Um, yes. Yes, I have. Sarah's very good. There's not a hint of that, like, nasty, like, he, it feels totally like he's stripped this away and he just wants to do a very straightforward, like, war story. Here's a World War II story. No, you know, like, exploit, no exploitation, (laughs) like, is built into this. So he's somebody who's really capable of, you know, working in different modes if he chooses. I think he's just a man who just desperately want to do wants to do war comics. Sure, and no one has a you know, there's no appetite for them uh, out there, which is you know. Yeah, but then I, guess I think too bad. you know. I don't know. I don't know if I'm hungry. When he for does them, things but... like Sarah, or if you've read Night Witches, which is um by him and Russ Braun, who does the art in like the second half of the Boys. Yeah, yeah, because yeah. Sarah is about fem- or female Soviet snipers, and there's no yeah. joke there. There's nothing. He's not winking. He's not, you know, making like. He's not making jokes about it. Uh, he's no. treating it with a lot of reverence. Anyway, all right, let's let's not get too Matt, down that. that just road. one thing about yeah. what you were saying about the fact that the difference in Sarah that's interesting that having a a female protagonist and like having that voice of a of a marginalized person be be at the center is like to what you were saying about the the difference between me uh, me between being Gen Z and my sensibilities uh, seeing the boys like. I guess a big part of what I'm missing and where the comic would have failed in some way for me is that it's a, it's a comic about dynamics in, of gender in superhero comics and in, in society in general, but like that's still about men mm. and like and the the female the female characters the the queer characters are like secondary to that discussion yeah. of men talking about it and like. I guess even if it was more focused on that and like handled it better, I feel like it would lose me at some point because I need that discussion to be held around around female characters and and queer characters. Mm. And not saying that like a a, a male uh, straight writer can't write about it. But in this but case, it, it, in this case, yeah, yeah. and it will see because it I, will I, be less what I'm looking for, which is totally valid. I, I don't know if I, like, I mean, I clearly, like, I don't love all the way that he writes about this stuff. Like, I, I don't think he nails it or comes even close. But I do, like, I, I I don't mind him talking about, you know, like, male anxiety about, like, straight male anxiety about this stuff when he's not, like, talking about it in this mocking way. When he's talking about, like... It feels like he can be indicting of toxic masculinity mm. and his own toxic masculinity. Feel... And he can like express that and be like, this isn't a good thing, but it is who I am. And I have this in me. And here's how. But it, I guess like... what's missing is the like a contrast to that, like sure. having yep. characters that don't have that toxic masculinity. You were, you were talking about the like the cum joke in uh, in Preacher with, yeah. uh, with Cassidy. I feel like I think. Am I wrong? Because I only watched the show. Am I wrong? Is, is Cass- isn't Cassidy by in the show? In the Not show. In the yes. comic. Yeah, not in the show, yeah. So and like I was thinking, like I feel like the the 2022 version of that joke would be Cassidy is actually queer and like he's he's messing with the other because he knows they they'll feel weird about it, but for him it's just normal. Mm. 
Like, and I guess, like, yeah, maybe that would be the difference between what I would be expecting of of that kind of joke and scenes. Yeah, sure. I, I, I see that. I just, like, I appreciate, I don't know, I appreciate an artist who can say, like, who's who's not trying to impress you with their wokeness <laughs> sometimes. Yeah. And, and can say, like, you know what, like, I have some really, like, racist beliefs deep down that I can't shake. Like, this is the way I was raised, and if I, like, really am honest with myself, like... I feel like I have these, like, really problematic, you know, instinctual thoughts that are hard to shake, and here's me, like, working it out, right? Like, I think that's an interesting discussion to have, and I, I appreciate when someone can do that in a thoughtful way. I don't think, I think this comic sometimes gets there. Sometimes I think that can get there with this, especially the Huey Starlight stuff. Like, it's not perfect, but I think some of that can can show that, like, like, it's, like, he clearly is, Huey's in misery over the way that he's, like you know, rejecting Starlight, but he, like, mm. can't help himself but be bothered like, by this. Yeah, like, he feels like almost he has to. Right, exactly. Like, yeah. it, it's a, you know, she talks about how, like, and she lets him off the hook way too easily. Let's just make that clear. Yep. But, like, <laughs> she talks about how, like, it's almost like a performance he's putting on. Like, it doesn't feel like a natural fit, right? Like, yeah. this is some role he feels like he has to play. This is, like, what men do. They, you know, if they find out their girlfriend's a slut, like, yeah, they like, have to feel revulsion towards it. You still it. don't it have to put to up something. with that, though, hon. <laughs> right, yeah. <laughs> exactly. So, and I, I do appreciate it. at some point she's just like, God, he's such a little bitch. <laughs> right, like, at some point she she just uh, is so totally, like, fed up with it. And, and, and Preacher, he does the same thing. The Jesse Tulip dynamic really works because Tulip is a real counterpoint to his, Ooh. like, toxic ideas of what like a man has to be and tulip is they are strongly as the voice of reason fighting against it okay um we haven't talked too much about Derek robertson the the artist on the majority of this run uh and i think my impulse of i, I think really good like formal like the panel layouts it flows really well i think it looks nice but also is an ugly comic like in an intentional way like no one looks hot no one looks attractive here there's plenty of nudity yeah. but it's never like titillating um okay all right we gotta we gotta <laughs> we're coming up on two hours let's talk about the show just a little bit we're not gonna get into like big spoilers about the show but it's hard to not compare it to the show i think the show is remarkable that it exists and has become this huge huge successful tv show like considered i mean like when you talk about like really big hits for t superhero television and like critical darlings it's like this doom patrol legion uh legion wasn't a hit but it was a critical darling and doom patrol is the same but this one is a critical hit and an actual like fan favorite like an audience success yeah. you're you're omitting daredevil on purpose i know you oh, hate i forgot it, about you no, have no, to no 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 Daredevil's, Daredevil's good, yeah. Kelly, I'm gonna, I, I think, I don't think you're a big fan of the show, I think, from what I've heard. So, and, and Charlotte and I both, I, I've only seen like five episodes, I really like it, and Charlotte, I think, is a big fan. So let's start with you, Kelly, and we'll, we'll get your dissenter's opinion here first. So, as a show in and of itself, I think it's fine. Um, I totally get why people like it, and I have no problem with people liking it. I wouldn't look at that and say oh actually it's problematic because of this and this and this um i just think as an adaptation and i'm one of those people who are like um actually in the book this this uh -huh, this happened yeah. um <laughs> and you know i try not to but i feel like this show gives the superheroes a bit too much leeway 
you know, yeah, it asks us, yeah. yeah, I feel like it, there's more space for us to feel empathy for them. Like, don't know. No, don't ask me to feel empathy for that. They're monsters. Except maybe Queen Maeve a little bit and Starlight. That's, and, and, and then the young, you know, the young ones, like the teenagers. The, the rest of them, they're monsters. Sure. Yeah. And I think that, you know, and there's some weird deviations from the what's in the comic. I just feel like, you know what? Just do what's in the comic without the slurs and the sort <laughs> okay, of... Okay, what? <laughs> and, but yeah, I just feel like some stuff in there that maybe you're not facing up to and I don't know why you're not doing that. I, I think uh, the boys, to me, I think is a... As, as someone who doesn't, you know, have a ton of affection for the comic, I, and I hadn't read the whole thing when I watched the show, it felt to me like a pretty canny adaptation of it, of it. Um, of being able to take what works <laughs> really well in the comic and discard what doesn't and tighten it up into uh, more of a more well-paced, more well-characterized. Um, you know, I haven't gotten through the whole thing, so clearly there might be things that I have issues with as it goes on. But I was surprised at how, uh, you know, without that really loud abrasiveness, it did still feel true to Ennis's... Um, vision like nastiness and i think actually something that i appreciate about the show is that you know i think in the comic like i think it kind of has to be ugly i don't know if it has to be but like I, I the ugliness of the art i think adds into the ugliness of this world i think something that works for me really well in the boys is that it's really attractive and it's really it looks glitzy and it looks like a beautiful world of beautiful people in these gorgeous costumes and then you still get the deep that I, I was shocked that they still do the same joke cut to the deep's bare ass as he's like forcing starlight to go down on him uh there like that it still is undercutting that beauty with the like nasty grimy undercurrent of that and i actually think like that works as a really good juxtaposition of having the show look really attractive and these characters look really attractive and the guy who they have playing homelander being like so charming and so handsome oh he's amazing uh, He's, I mean, I, yeah. I watched, I watched a handful of these episodes and I was like, that guy, they are so lucky with that casting because I think he, I can't remember his name. He is pitch Anthony perfect. Star. Anthony Starr. Yeah. yeah he I'm is so scared of him. Perfect in this. Right. He's terrifying, but also that like big grin on his face. And yeah. So, I mean, there, there's differences in, you know, they've added stuff, but even like giving him anxiety over uh, a breastfeeding mother right like i think that's like a good touch that feels in line with the show uh, with the comic and and i think like i i don't know if i agree with the idea that like empathy i i think understanding them a little more as people then does root the like satire of them as stand-ins for you know this like corrupting power works a little more when i can feel like they're a little bit more related to human beings um because otherwise, if it's just talking about comic books, I'm not that interested if it's just making fun of comics. So, like, I like um, like a, a, a thing that gets changed that I actually appreciate is in the book, when they approach Starlight with her new sexier costume, they're just like, here, like, this will make your tits and ass look great. And then they, like, slap it on her and, like, force her to wear it. And they just draw a V on her chest where, like, the, the cut line of the her new outfit's going to be. In the, uh, in the show, they sell it as, like, a marketing thing. And these two, like, clueless marketing guys sell it to her as, like, a, f a idea of, like, feminist empowerment. Is that, you know, she'll be able to, like, show off her body. You know, needless to say that it's 
like two men making the decision that she'll be you know empowered uh here and they actually kind of get into that in the comic much later on but like i i think like i think by just like digging a little deeper into some of the the things that ennis is getting at it, it works slightly better for me so it it it's a surprising adaptation to me that i think someone read this comic and was like we can make this the most popular superhero show in the world <laughs> yeah um, i mean i feel like I, I think the best thing i can say about the show is that it's it is a lot more focused on like we we said that uh like one of the problem with the, the the boys comics is that it feels like garth ennis is angry at everything and he can't focus on one thing to talk about with his uh with his superhero parody. And I feel like the the show is very good as like picking one lane. It's like superheroes as corporate tools and like as a and the super the show is interested in specifically talking about about huge corporations with votes. And like I think it's interesting that the 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 superheroes are monsters, but they're they're monsters based in some kind of humanity mm-hmm. at one degree. And the characters that feel like the worst monsters are like the 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 corporate seals, like Giancarlo Exposito's character, for example. Um, yeah, I think that that's really interesting. And the what it does, like you said, with the with the two guys selling uh, selling Starlight's new costume as like a big feminist empowerment thing. I think it does really interesting stuff with corporate wokeness. I guess like sure. the yeah, totally. corporations' reactions to. Um, to social topics and reacting to to racism, like it does thing with with A Train in season three and the, like reactions to to Black Lives Matter and stuff like that. And like I think usually it's like pretty much on the money. And like by being so focused on that one specific idea and using those superheroes in that purpose, it feels like yeah. I guess I mean less messy is the the main thing probably, and like feels like a, a better. I mean, you want to keep watching it more than you want to keep reading the boys comic. <laughs> it's less abrasive. And, and, and I, sure. do, I do understand, Kelly, like what you're saying. Like, I, I've watched some of the Preacher show and I, I like the Preacher show, but it's a different beast than the comic. It loses some of that edge and it loses some of that like specificity of what like Ennis does. Um, it's it, it's very interesting, though. I mean, the, the, the nice side effect of this, though, is that like, I mean, hopefully Ennis is, you know, eaten well off of this show uh, and that he's you know i mean I, I i hope and assume that he's you know this is a creator-owned series so um i'm hoping he's getting you know a good payday off off the show i'd be curious to see what he thinks of it i mean he's he's writing stuff for the um the little like side series right so like yeah. he's clearly he's, he wrote he's one not, of the like, episodes for the animated one diabolical and the yeah, one that yeah. he wrote was the best one i thought <laughs> charlotte did you because the rest was sort of very much like power yeah i watched it i watched it yeah. Okay. Yeah, it's 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 really fun. Like, it, it it is set in the universe of the of the comic, which is which is fun to see. Narrated. And I think Sean Pegg voices Huey, which is fun because he he he's modeled. Uh, well, yeah, clearly, it's yeah. very odd. Yeah, Sean doing Pegg, the same accent right? as in Star Trek. Simon, Simon Pegg, Simon Pegg. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that's that's an interesting choice. Uh, which Jason Isaacs is b- butcher. Yes. Which is also really oh, that's disgusting. so good. I know. I liked, yeah, yeah. It's so I like um, uh, Simon Pegg does an outro for one of the omnibuses. And he says something like, you know, like, I would have been pissed and sued the pants off him if I didn't like this comic so much. But turns out it was really good, (laughs) (laughs) which I think is really funny. All right. uh, We've been going a really long time, but uh, I I think we we covered it pretty well. I'm I'm really glad we we got to talk about this. I think it's like a very interesting comic. uh, Yeah. And yeah, I'm I'm glad I read it. This is so much fun. Thank you so much. 
yeah thank you for being on here thank and you lending so much. Your, your expertise uh what like i felt Such like i was so excited like uh to, to find somebody who has a phd in garth ennis uh, <laughs> <laughs> i mean we we've been talking for for two hours and i feel like we could have been oh yeah kept going for two more there's so definitely. much there's so much more stuff here but you know yeah only can do so much uh but again thank you kelly where, where can people find your work um you can find me at kelly kanayama on twitter um i have a patreon which is patreon.com slash until the end of the world and i also have a website which is um infrequently updated at uh <laughs> kellykanayama.com and what else oh yeah i've written for shelf dust uh, most recently uh shelfdust.com if you just google mine or search my name on there or you search punisher you'll find me um cool. yeah and everything else will be uh, on the website Cool. Well, thank you. Thank you again. Really appreciate you coming on here. Uh, if you want to support our show, you can head over to patreon.com slash year. Get six months early access to this show, um, as well as a bunch of other benefits. Uh, Charlotte, you can find at My Marvelous Year on Twitter. Our theme music is by... Oh my god, I totally forgot. Our theme music is by FM Skyline. Thank you, FM Skyline. <laughs> uh, and... Next month, we're going to be covering um, Alan Moore's Miracle Man on the podcast. Very excited to talk about that. I've never read a single Miracle Man comic. I have no idea what I'm walking into. Um, the reading list for that uh, should be in the show notes, but it's basically everything that's collected in the new Miracle Man omnibus uh, that just came out. We're just going to cover, I think, everything that Alan Moore did for that comic. Um, Charlotte, anything else? Um, no, I think we have a guest for, for the Miracle Man episode. I think... What's his name? Da David David Bussange? Is that it? I think. <laughs> yeah, David David Bussing, I think, is his name. Yeah, uh, perfect. <laughs> yeah. But maybe maybe we'll have him on the show. I don't know. Uh all right, well thank you for listening and we will see you next time. Bye. See you next time. We still don't have an intro, an outro. <laughs> <laughs>